This episode was recorded in March of 2021. The 98% and Industry Minds continues to stand with all who have spoken out before and since about abusive behaviour in our industry. I'm Alexa Morden. I'm Katie Ellen-Salt. I'm Kathy Reid. And I'm Scarlett Maltzman and you're listening to a podcast collaboration between Industry Minds and The 98%. We put out a tweet about how we wanted to make a space for talking about abuse in the arts. This is what the tweet said. Physical, mental, emotional, verbal, sexual abuse. Abuse of power, authority, position. Abuse in the arts is happening in all forms in all corners of the industry and victims are scared into silence. We want to change that. If you have a story you want heard, we want to share it in an upcoming collaborative podcast episode between the 98% and Industry Minds. The repercussions of these unfortunately all too common experiences is incredibly detrimental to people's mental health and even careers. We are worried that when the industry gets back up and running that this issue will fall by the wayside and focus on mental health will be put on the back burner. If you have a story, however big or small, we want to give you a voice. While we aren't able to name the perpetrators, raising awareness about what is going on is an important step. So now we are here to share the stories that were sent to us. We have chosen to read these stories in their entirety without intrusion or comment from us. Please be aware before listening of the subject matter of this episode. It covers different incidences of abuse, sexual, emotional, verbal, and also has mentions of mental health, including suicidal ideation. After reading these stories, we will be having a short conversation about the issues raised, which you can find just before the 40-minute mark if you don't feel able to listen to the stories themselves. If you are affected by anything covered in this episode, you can find details of where to get help in the episode description. Samaritans has a free 24-7 helpline at 116 123. If you have been the victim of a criminal offence and would like some support and advice, you can call Victim Support for free 24 hours a day on 0808 168 9111. You can also reach out and find more information at victimsupport.org.uk. While no one owes anyone their story, if you'd like to share any experiences, thoughts or responses in relation to this episode, join in the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag HearUs. Because while you may not be able to name any person or place publicly, you deserve to be heard. And whilst this is not about us, we are happy to use our combined platforms to advocate for a safe working environment for all, and also to amplify the stories of those who have wrongly suffered anything less than that. This is also a call to those in positions of power and influence. We need your help and action. Please listen, please hear us, and please do what needs to be done to enact change. The time is now. Thank you for listening and thank you from all of us to those who have shared their stories. I saw your tweet and just thought I would send you one of my many stories about abuse of power in the industry. I think to get it out there to anyone, even just in this email, even just to acknowledge it's happened is a step in the right direction for me. I was 21 and searching for a muggle job to tide me over. A friend of mine had started a job as a runner on a TV show and told me the director was looking for a nanny for his daughter. I met with him and his partner, a costume designer, and was offered the job there and then. They also said I was perfect for a couple of parts in their series. They did comedy sketches that had different characters every episode. And would I be interested? Luckily, I set up the conversation with them and my agent to keep some professional separation. It all went sour pretty quickly. 
The director had a horrible temper, screaming at people on set until he was purple in the face. I would arrive on set from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. and then go and mind their child until 11 or 12 at night, sometimes having to stay over as they just wouldn't come home. They had also started leaving Cinderella-type house chore lists for me to complete, which included cleaning out his man cave that had used condoms on the floor. I felt so trapped as this was my first proper TV gig and I was getting regular work and was so excited to be on a set. One day we were doing a parody scene and my dress had a very low cut corset. The director's partner was the costume designer and he came in and told her to make my breasts look bigger. He then asked me to come out of the dressing room in front of the all male crew and asked, did I look rapeable enough? I'll never forget the shock and humiliation I felt. After a month with no pay for the nannying, I asked if they could please pay me. I was screamed at that they had taken a huge risk putting me on TV and that I was an ungrateful little bitch. The next week, they'd hired another actress. I never told my agent or anyone really, as I was so afraid of being blacklisted at the time. Hey guys. So when I was 15 to 18, I had a drama teacher who was notoriously scary. I now know that she was in fact manipulative and abusive, but at the time I didn't really have the words to describe it. Our school had a very prestigious musical theatre programme and connections to very prestigious universities. You had to audition to get in and it was fairly competitive. I was in the programme for two years. Before getting into the programme, I participated in several after-school plays directed by this teacher. These projects were a source of anxiety for me. I knew I had to impress her or I would never get into the musical theatre programme. She made it clear who she liked and who she didn't. And if you were on her bad side, you may as well not have been in her class. Both of my older cousins had been in the programme, so she knew who I was. And this undeniably gave me a leg up. She always had a favourite male student, usually one with absent parents, who she would spend time with after hours. She would drive him to rehearsals, see local productions with him, take him for lunch or coffee, and inevitably gave him a lead in the spring musical production. My oldest cousin was one such boy. Once I got into the programme, I felt I had finally proved myself to her. She would text me after hours with articles or funny photos she thought I would enjoy. She would make snide remarks about other students to me, to me my friends, which always made us feel special and trusted. But any time any of us started feeling really secure, she would tear us all down again. I remember at my first musical in the programme, she yelled at me in front of the entire cast for almost 45 minutes. I wasn't walking on beat, and so she had us do the number again. When I failed to meet her expectations after several attempts, she told the rest of the cast to sit down on stage whilst I did it all by myself. I remember looking out of the auditorium, trying not to cry, as she screamed at me from the darkness. This finally ended when the bell rang. I was proud of myself that day. I didn't cry. The next day, it was like nothing had happened and we were BFFs. I cannot count the times I watched my friends be spoken to, or rather yelled at in this way. Whether it was because they had to miss class for a doctor's appointment, couldn't stay late after school because of family commitments or line delivery, she never missed a chance to humiliate a child in front of their peers. Several students left this programme with vocal issues. I was intimidated into singing and belting full out when I had voice that I was feeling unwell. 
On one occasion, this led to me losing my voice and being unable to sing at a uni audition. I did not get into that school. I was called selfish for attending auditions on school days. I was belittled for anything she could find. She, she tried to control our relationships or dating lives. She loved gossip and once spread a false rumour to my classmates that I had hosted a party while my parents were away. I could go on, but this is probably enough for one email. This abuse has affected me well into my adult life. I find it very difficult to socialise with directors and teachers. I feel networking is difficult because I never want to put myself in a position where my boundaries could be crossed. I was afraid to ask questions for a lot of time at drama school and still struggle with confidence and self-worth. There are people who abandon theatre because of her. I don't think I ever felt truly appreciated as a performer until drama school. Some good did come of this though. After graduating myself and another classmate filed a complaint against her. This was not the first complaint, but it seemed to be the straw that broke the camel's back and she was asked to take leave from the school. She never returned. Looking back, I can't believe we thought that this was normal and I can't believe she was allowed to do this to actual children. I was certainly not her youngest student. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this is useful. I saw your tweet and wanted to get in touch with you. My experience happened over my three years at Drama Uni. I had to leave a movement class for a time as I was struggling with my mental health that day, just having been at the doctor's. On return, the tutor, male, gave me a side hug and asked if I was okay. And as he left, he stroked his hand down my back and then across my rear. I was vulnerable and just didn't know what to do or think at the time. I remember the previous year, we'd had a session on pushing and pulling during which I worked with him. He put his forearm against my throat and forced me to the floor, ending up on top of me. I tried to push against him, but he wouldn't give. Other students had said that this was off and I did not feel comfortable at all. The session after he had stroked down my back, we were working with moving in relation to a partner. As we were working, he said to try different levels, such as surveying someone from a higher level. He proceeded to walk towards me, eventually reaching me and becoming nose to nose, his crotch pressed against me. He carried on leaning in a little to the point where I had to lean back to keep in balance. I reported this in October and the college did not sort it until late January. I was blamed for not speaking up sooner and told that it was a normal part of movement. And if I was uncomfortable, then I was less developed than my peers and was not suited for acting. I couldn't handle this way of working and that it was apparently thought a completely appropriate thing to do. The next day in class, we were given a lecture on how we needed to be able to push ourselves and we have to stay in the moment if we're uncomfortable and that it's our problem, not the fault of the tutors, they just want to push you. Another male tutor was very supportive, offering advice and help throughout this horrible period. I have the utmost respect and gratitude for him. I was suffering with a new diagnosis of depression and anxiety at this time, as well as self-harming, and the damage the situation did to me is unacceptable and disgusting. My heart still jumps and my stomach turns whenever I see someone who looks like him. Another session with a female supply tutor occurred after all this, where she got me to close my eyes in front of the class and then proceeded to touch parts of my body so I could physically react and respond to.
which I had consented to, until I felt her slap me hard on the rear. Everyone looked shocked and I felt humiliated. One of the heads of the department, who is also the previously mentioned male tutor's wife, asked if that was a trigger spot for me and then said she wouldn't have a word with the tutor because she's had a hard day and didn't want to upset her. There was a huge lack of respect and compassion. I'm so angry I was patronised and dismissed like so many others. From then on, I was bullied by the male tutor's wife in rehearsals, ignoring me, shutting down my creative ideas, blaming me for things going wrong, being passive aggressive and purposely antagonistic. I was told my behaviour was unproductive when I called out her behaviour and told that I should respect her regardless of what was happening. I was blamed again for speaking out against a toxic environment. That male tutor is known by all students in every year for being inappropriate and the college is aware of this. He's had previous complaints and many girls have said he's made them uncomfortable, but they laugh it off. I'm sick of the victim blaming culture. But what hurts the most is that the victim blaming was so bad that I still can't fully accept that it wasn't my fault. I keep thinking that what happened isn't bad or I'm overreacting. And so I find it difficult to share the story because laughably, I don't want the two tutors to feel bad if they heard this. I really appreciate you giving people a chance to share their experiences and giving a voice to us. I've pulled out of sharing it so many times, but I can't do that anymore. I know many people have gone through worse, but a lot of smaller things can add up and you don't even realise you're being bullied or taken advantage of until you reflect back on it. And I think that's a huge problem in the industry, the small scale buildup of abuse and manipulation that so many people go through and yet can't pinpoint it to a single moment. Again, thank you so much for giving people a chance to speak out. During my training at a highly acclaimed drama school, I was a victim of grooming and two counts of sexual assault by a visiting director. This director had been a visiting lecturer at my drama school for many years, long before I joined, and was lauded by staff and students for his unique process. He also worked at many other prestigious drama schools, directing second and third year students for at least a decade before coming to us. I had just turned 20 when we started rehearsing for our first public show in the latter half of second year. We were all so excited to finally sink our teeth into a full-length play and invite our friends and family to see the hard work we have been grafting over for the last year and a half. I was determined to push myself as hard as I could in order to do my best performance and serve the play. I wanted to please our audience, my fellow cast, my tutors and of course our director. I knew from our training up until this point that the best way to approach a rehearsal space was to be open, to contribute and to be vulnerable. To say yes during improvisations and to abandon judgement of myself and others. I was keen to put what I had learnt into practice. The director presented as a true artist. He seemed committed to the work and the text and to us. We had been told by students in the year above that we were about to have the best creative process we'll ever experience. Everyone loved him. It appeared that he really wanted to help us become the best actors we could be. He spoke in a hushed voice, meaning we would have to lean closer to him when he was speaking to us, hanging onto every word. There was an atmosphere in the rehearsal room, like stepping into another world where we could leave ourselves at the door and explore our characters and the story in the space, being guided by his voice. At the time, it felt almost spiritual. We felt so connected to the work and each other and assumed that he was connected to the work too. In hindsight, I can see that this wasn't the case. He was manipulating an environment to make himself the voice of God, where we would follow his every command. 
This was part of his process of coercion, something that he had been practicing and perfecting for many years. In retrospect, what we thought was a unique creatively freeing acting process was really him breeding a cult mentality. Rehearsals would be purely improvisational. It was just us and him in the room, with no other member of staff or observer. Exercises would promote the process of green lighting and impulse, meaning we would be operating in the scene from solely an instinctual basis. As the weeks went by, these exercises were developed by our director. The further we got into the process, the more wild they became. He would praise actors who pushed the improvised scenes as far as they could, often being guided to end in some kind of passionate kiss or embrace. We would joke outside the room saying, so who's going to be kissing who today? We spent weeks working in this way and barely touched the script. What felt like freedom in a safe, supported space was actually oppressive, manipulative and dangerous. It was a given at our drama school that directors and tutors would join the students in their casts at the pub on a Friday evening after a long week of rehearsals. At the time, this was normal and it was a great way to get to know our directors and tutors who were also working in the industry. It was a way for us to network with them as we knew they had connections to other professionals. I now believe this is problematic in drama school culture, as it promotes the blurring of teacher-student lines and eventually leads to an unhealthy learning environment. It goes without saying that our director during second year joined us each Friday at the pub. He was the life of the party, buying us all shots of vodka all evening. One Friday we stayed in the pub until closing. We were inebriated. Our director stayed with us until he missed his last train home and told us he had nowhere to stay. My housemate was with me, as we were both in the same play, and we agreed that he could crash on our sofa for the night. Back at the house, it was getting late. I was talking to the director about our common interest in music and art. One by one, my flatmates retired to bed, and I was left alone with him. I showed him to the sofa, and he told me to stay. I was uneasy, but also felt something inevitable was about to happen that was out of my control. He kissed me, and I didn't pull away. Instead, I started to cry. He wiped my tears and told me everything was okay. The next thing he said to me, I know now, was strategic. He told me to green light this moment, a phrase he often used in rehearsals. In hindsight, I can see that he knew by using the terms from the rehearsal process he could control me in the same way he'd been manipulating all of us during the day. I understand now that this was a form of grooming. Using his power as our director, he had planned and engineered this moment and everything that followed. It was now very late at night, and as I started to make my way to bed, without invitation, he followed. I felt like a ghost, completely out of my body. I was afraid and I felt powerless. He came into my room and started to remove my clothes. He started kissing me again and now touching me, although my memory of the details in that moment are thankfully blank, until he took off his trousers and climbed on top of me. It was at this point that I returned to my body and managed to say the words, stop. With some repeats of refusal, I used my hands to push him away before the very worst could happen, and thank God it didn't. Shortly afterwards, he left. That weekend, I didn't speak to anyone. I felt ashamed and sick. My housemates knew something had happened, but I couldn't find the words to explain exactly what. A significant part of me felt that it was my fault for letting him into our home and for not being able to stop it sooner. I also felt isolated, as I knew how much everyone at my drama school adored him. I now understand that he had not only groomed me, but everyone else around me so that they worshipped the ground he walked on. We went back into rehearsals on the Monday. 
We continued with the improvisations and the scenes right through to the Friday with him being in control of the room and me going through the paces of each day as a total out-of-body experience. On one of the days that week, he made us do a physical exercise. One person would lie on their back in semi-supine with their feet planted on the floor. Their partner would stand in between their feet and hold one of their hands. The person lying on the floor then had to thrust their hips in the air three times, and on the third time, the standing partner would pull them up to their feet. He wanted to demonstrate this exercise, and asked me to be his partner and lie on the floor. I was stunned and felt utterly humiliated. I looked around the room at my fellow castmates in a shaken silence, until someone else clocked my panic and volunteered to take my place. On the Friday, I told my housemate that I wanted to talk to our director after rehearsals, I asked if she could come with me to the pub that evening to support me. A male cast member noticed where we were headed and came with us. Despite not knowing what happened, I think he could tell something was wrong. He was a large, strong guy and it felt reassuring having him there too. I wanted to speak to our director because I felt like it was my mess to fix. I didn't want to ruin the play for the rest of my cast and I thought that if I could just tell him to stop, then I wouldn't have to go to a member of staff and interrupt the whole rehearsal process for my friends, who seemed to be really enjoying and benefiting from it. At the pub, we all found a table together. The director went up to the bar and I took the opportunity to join him and talk about what happened. He seemed very happy while I was angry. I asked him why he did what he did and told him that I didn't understand what was happening. He looked at me then said, You do things to me. You're doing things to me now. I didn't know what he meant and looked at him confused. He then took my hand and put it on his crotch where he could prove what I was doing to him right there. This was hugely humiliating. Standing in a busy public bar on the campus of my drama school for all to see. A place where I felt like I was safe. I snatched my hand away and went immediately back to the table. I quietly told my housemate that we had to leave. Without question, she took our stuff and we left the pub. The next Monday, I met with a female member of staff that I trusted to talk about what happened. I told her every piece of detail from beginning to end. She stayed with me, comforted me, and encouraged me to tell our head of course. I asked if she could help me with that, and she said that if it is too hard, she would tell him what I had told her. I agreed. She then accompanied me to the head of acting's office and sat by me as we discussed it further. After some silence and hmm sounds from the head of acting, he eventually asked me what I would like to happen. I said, what do you mean? And he said, we can't do anything about it until you tell us what you want us to do. I didn't know. I was not in a rational state of mind to make those decisions and I thought my drama school would have a protocol in place to do the right thing for my safety and the safety of the other students. I had to go back into rehearsals later that day. The female member of staff that I confided in came with me and observed. She knew that the response from my head of acting was inadequate, and so she took it into her own hands. At the end of the day, she had another meeting with the head of acting, and the following morning, our director was asked to leave. I know that since leaving my drama school, that director has gone on to teach at various other institutions. I also know from others that my experience was not the first time he had done what he did. With over a decade in teaching, visiting a number of drama schools and running his own theatre company, I believe there are others who have been targeted by him. I want to stop this man from teaching and directing, but I have not felt safe and supported enough to contact any kind of authorities with the power to do this. The reaction from my drama school, especially the head of acting, made this traumatic experience even worse. I felt that I wasn't taken seriously and that there was no safety measure to ensure that I was okay. 
The whole incident made me feel like I was going mad, due to the subtle nature in which the director had groomed me and others under the guise of an acting process. I think the way in which my drama school dealt with this situation was disgraceful and did not have my safety and the safety of others at heart. It shouldn't have to be said that drama schools have a responsibility to look after their pupils. 18 to 21 year olds are young and impressionable as it is, but the culture around drama school and the constant encouragement to be vulnerable in class all day, every day, makes drama school students a particularly susceptible target for those who wish to abuse their power. I believe that drama schools across the board do not have a system in place to protect their students from abuse of power. It is a pervasive part of our industry, as we have seen being exposed with the Me Too movement, Max Stafford Clark, Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spacey, the list goes on. But this abuse starts in drama schools, and the discourse around it discourages young people from speaking out. What happened to me was very recent. It is still fresh, and it is still happening in our institutions. I refuse to leave an industry that I love because of this. I stand by every woman and man who has been a victim of any kind of abuse within the arts and hope that by sharing my story, others will feel they can do the same. I want to encourage those that relate to what I have shared to take ownership over their stories and to tell it in their own words. And I also urge others to listen and support the conversation around these topics. We can prevent abuse of power once we feel empowered to take action. I was cast in a short film and the director and scriptwriter was also acting in it. Once we started work on the project, originally he wanted me to be electrocuted in my underwear, which I was not particularly comfortable with and I didn't know about it when we were auditioning. He completely changed the script so that there was intimate kissing scenes between two of us and he always wanted to be alone with me. I was only 18 slash 19 at the time, had no experience and didn't know how to deal with this situation. He would send me messages saying he wanted to play mind games with me so I could get into character and would come and film me alone with no other crew at all so it was just me and him. I was living alone at the time so I had a friend come round when we were filmed because I felt so uncomfortable being alone with him. He wrote fake emails from a producer to try to convince me that the short film was going to be huge which obviously I didn't believe and when I tried to call him out on it he said he was offended. The messages he sent to me felt very creepy and invasive and so unprofessional. It ended with him asking me out and saying he liked me and by this point I didn't even want to be in the same room as him by myself because I was afraid he tried to do something. I managed to drop out of the film after we'd filmed most of it as I had signed to an agency and used that as an excuse not to be able to continue filming. Looking back, sometimes I worry that I overreacted, but then I realised it was extremely unprofessional and I was so scared and uncomfortable in the situation. I'm sure so many actors have stories like this, with men using their privilege and their power to intimidate and harass women. I'm lucky it didn't turn into anything bigger than it was, but it definitely affected me a lot. We should always feel safe when we are working on a job, and I really did not. I wish there'd been a way to safely report what happened or even remove myself from the situation when I first felt uncomfortable, but I didn't know what to do. I hope that if other people are in a similar situation, they know they need to do what's best for them. And if they are feeling like someone is abusing their power and harassing them, they don't have to just sit there and deal with it. Tell the people around you and get out before it gets worse. Hi, ladies. I recently noticed your tweet about abuse in the arts and thought I might chip in my experience for what it might be worth. 
To be fair to theatre world, most of my worst experiences of, of abuse have been in other parts of my life outside of theatre, and I find it usually is a place I felt very secure in. However, I had one particularly strange experience which I continually find myself ruminating on and questioning, was it actually abuse of power or is it just a sad, pathetic, middle-aged man? That old chestnut. My experience happened whilst on a summer rep season at a small regional theatre venue. I was working on my final play of the season directed by a man nearly old enough to be my father. He seemed like an awkward guy and I felt the need to try and help him assimilate with the cast and crew so we tried to subtly bring him into conversation, offer him coffees if I was making a round and help tidy up the space after rehearsals. On a couple of occasions I had bumped into him alone in corridors and he said things to me like, someone mentioned you'd lost weight and I just wanted to say that I hope you know you're perfect as you are and similar things, which at the time I took as a sort of awkward dad relationship a director trying to be supportive. Then, during the run of the show, he sent me an email asking to come to the venue early to run through some notes, which I obliged. And then he proceeded to take me out to a quiet corridor and ask me if I wanted to go for a walk in a secluded woodland area, which was a driveway. I was caught off guard and really confused about what was being asked and kind of unaware I was being hit on. I hoped perhaps he meant it was a group outing and I awkwardly agreed because I was in such a weird moment. I always hoped I would be the kind of kick-ass woman who would realise these dick moves from a man and call them out, but instead I was completely obliging and agreed out of politeness slash awkwardness to meet him the next day, although I had no intention to whatsoever. That evening after the show, he then proceeded to send me a string of creepy emails about how excited he was about meeting the next day and how he had his in-disguise costume ready. Brackets, he was married. He also kept changing the subject line of the email to things that I had said or brought up as part of the rehearsal process, which startled me that he was taking things I had said completely out of the context of the safe space of a rehearsal and using them to allude to that I had been flirting with him. Completely bizarre. I wish I had had the balls to say, like, dude, what the fuck, I am not interested. But it all just made me feel super uncomfortable. Instead of being honest and telling him he was a dick, I made an excuse for why I couldn't meet him, so as to let him down easy and not make a scene. I think I hoped it would make the rest of the run less awkward for us. What I also should point out is I couldn't go and tell the artistic director of the theatre because the AD was his wife. And she was the most lovely person and I just didn't want to be part of ruining a marriage, even though I had nothing to do with it. To make matters worse, one of the stage managers was his daughter, who was also the sweetest person and was in the theatre when he took me aside and asked me out. What the fuck? So I felt completely stuck in terms of telling anyone as I didn't want to upset people who I really liked and wanted to continue working with. I spent the rest of my time there feeling super uncomfortable. I hid in my digs because I was terrified I would accidentally bump into him and I would beg other company members to walk home at night with me. I was 31 at the time. I wasn't even young. I thought of myself as a kick-ass feminist bitch, but it made me feel like I was 13 again. It's been 18 months since it happened and although it wasn't a major incident, I still think about it. It still annoys me. I'm still shocked and fucked off that anyone could have misread me trying to be a good company member and actor as anything flirtatious. 
I tried to tell myself that it wasn't really a big deal and that he was just being a man. I know people will say, oh, this isn't abuse. It's just mixed signals. You're an adult. But then I look back on it and he was in a position of power. He was protected because of the position of his wife and daughter and knowing that no one would want to hurt them as they were lovely people. I had not made any contact outside what is professional or given any signs of interest. I was and am in a relationship which I was quite open about and he had met my partner. He was in a position of power. He teaches in a sixth form college and although I know I'm well above the age of 18, I think it's worrying that he is a man who doesn't understand abuse of power, works in a position of power over vulnerable young women. I think as women, we have historically, up until now, been quite kind to pathetic middle-aged men. We tend to write it off because it really wasn't that big of a deal and he didn't actually do anything illegal or I'm sure he feels embarrassed instead of acknowledging that actually that really affected me and that really ruined my experience and my trust in male directors has eroded. It's definitely meant that I feel I can't work with that theatre again because his wife is AD and he would most likely always be one of the directors of each season. So it is taking the potential of future work away from me. It has also made me question my own actions and instincts like, should I not be as nice in the future? Should I not try to show willingness to help or make conversation lest it be read as something else? Surely we shouldn't have to be left questioning these things, but... Unfortunately, I'm sure most women have had moments like this. I'm not sure if this is the kind of thing you meant by stories of abuse. I know it's small scale in a sense, but it feels like these are microaggressions people are getting away with, perhaps. I also feel like it's a small regional venue, not some respected, famous director in a big deal theatre in the West End. So perhaps people don't care as much or expect it. I don't know. But I thought I would put it out there even writing it has been cathartic. The following experiences are from the same person, but they describe different incidents. We were working on the same show. We dated. He told me he loved me and then told the stage management explicit details about our sex life as if it was a funny story. I felt I had no choice but to laugh it off. We worked on a fringe show. He was older than me and more established. We started sleeping together pretty quickly. One night, when I stayed at his, he deliberately came on my jeans so I had to wear them to work the next day without being able to wash them properly. He took great pleasure in pointing out the stain in front of the whole cast. We used to date and then ended up working on a contract together years later. He was openly trying to hit on the female cast members. I was getting along with another of the cast members and then he took him out for a pint, explained we used to date and warned him off. He then threatened to kill himself if I didn't let him stay with me. She was a powerful director, best friends with the AD and favoured one cast member above others. I watched her bully the female cast members and belittle the creative team. She tried to ban the movement director from the warm up on press night because they had concerns about a cast member who had injured themselves on a pole in the dress run but the favoured cast member didn't want to safety check it. I worked on a project where the director was signed off with suicidal ideation after rehearsals were continually high pressure and six day weeks. Another cast member had physical symptoms of a severe stress disorder. Nobody considered cancelling the show. 
When we returned after an extended break, we were still working six day weeks and at the same pace. I was working on a small project whilst undergoing chemotherapy. I presented my work in progress at a festival during this time. It went down well. Then a friend sent me a commission and asked if I was on the panel because it was identical to my work. The artistic director had taken the idea, partnered with three other organisations and set up a commission. They even called it one of the names I'd referenced in the blog about the research. They never apologised. They refused to acknowledge my work anywhere. They refused to work with me again. Working with a high profile dance organisation in London, I was told by the AD that misogyny was a myth and women have it easier in hip hop because men would rather watch them if they're hot enough. An AD once put their fingers in my mouth and tried to push them down my throat at the end of a press night. I was shocked. They just smiled and walked away slowly. It was never spoken of again. Whilst working as a head of department level at a theatre, I faced homophobia, received verbal abuse, sexual harassment and was gaslit when I complained. At a fundraising meeting, my artistic director suggested selling me for sex to raise money. On a separate occasion, she told team members that I'd had sex with a sound designer at our Christmas party. I did not. I was asked if I had AIDS when I asked to go to a doctor's appointment. I was told I'd fucked up a meeting with a funder and I was shouted at until I cried. I complained to the executive director and the interim chair of the board and was told that the AD's behavior was how artists behave and asked if I really wanted to make a complaint because it would be very dangerous for my career. I then cried at work a few times and suffered from depression. I was then sent to a mental health assessor to see if I was healthy enough for work. The assessor said I was perfectly healthy, but the situation called for a meeting with someone external. This never happened. They reduced my team from four to two and a half, increased my workload and forced me out of the job, offering me a payoff. I left the building twice, wanting to commit suicide. Our next story is from a fellow actor who wanted to voice her own words. When I was 20, I was sexually abused by the person who ran my drama school. I was stood up in front of him, facing the other way. He was sat behind me. He shoved his hand up my skirt and touched my private parts. I was shocked. I was young. A young twenty. Away from my family. A little vulnerable. I didn't know what to do. I told my boyfriend at the time. The son of this man, by the way. He was young and acted awkwardly. He didn't know what to do. Which isn't surprising. I told my friend but we didn't report it to the police. I felt that I needed this man's reference for when I left the drama school. A couple of days later, he turned up to a rehearsal I was in and asked if he could speak to me. I didn't want to speak to him. I felt like I didn't have a choice. There was only one exit out of that room. I remember him kissing other women's necks in rehearsal and classes. They all acted awkward but didn't tell him to stop. We were all young, 18 to 21, that sort of age. I guess no one knew what to do. He smelt of coffee and cigarettes. Well, thank you so much to everyone who took the time and felt that they were able to share their stories with us and giving us the chance to share this for everyone to listen to. We are 
we have great admiration for all of you thank you yeah it takes a lot of bravery to do that so thank you I, I feel I feel really quiet after hearing those stories and I think which is a rare thing for me um I feel I'm feeling a lot of things and I'm feeling a lot of things as as a woman in this industry um but I don't want to make it all about me and I think the stories speak for themselves I think all I want to say is that those stories that we've just read for me are shocking but I am not shocked and what I mean by that is that I don't think that I, I it is shocking that this is allowed to happen but nothing as a woman I don't know if, if you guys would would agree with this but as a woman who's been to drama school as a woman who's worked in this industry for 10 years there is nothing that anybody said in that that I don't have personal experience of or that I don't have friends that do and I'm not talking about just 10 years ago I'm talking about now these stories are not the exception um and I I suppose I I just I just wanted to to voice that yeah every one of those stories there was something like if I haven't experienced exactly what that person experienced I can feel that feeling in the pit of my stomach of of yeah like of somewhere on the scale I can resonate with it and I think they're all just examples of we we say abuse and we think of particular instances of abuse and different forms of abuse but they're all under the umbrella of position of abuse of power these are all people that do these things because they can because we're in this industry with such a hierarchy where actors so often are at the bottom and the fact that so many of these emails said that this is the first and only place these people have been able to share their stories while the perpetrators are off just living their best lives without a care in the world it's it's such a problem and it's because of the power these people have they do it because they can and it's just disgusting yeah I think um just going off from what you were saying Katie about us not wanting to like get into it because but in every single one of those stories I was like well either that's something that I resonate with or something that has happened to a friend Mm. and complete complete disclosure I've literally been like my heart has been beating throughout this because I have recognized it and that is so problematic that there's an industry that, and it happens in lots of industries. It's not just the acting industry, but mm. the fact that we're able to, we're able to call it out, but people say, people tell their stories, people say things online. They say this has happened to me, but that these people are still at large because People are scared of a defamation case. People mm-hmm. are scared of being blacklisted because it's happened before. It makes me now looking at it from a slightly different perspective of where I am in my life makes me so, it makes me very upset and very angry. And I think that that's why it's important that things have started to have been called out. And I do hope that they're not swept under the carpet as they have been before. And the, the thing is, it's like the big, it's like the biggest secret that everyone knows. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone knows who these people are. Everyone yeah. knows what they've done, but they're still working with them. So it takes other people that are at the top who aren't perpetuating this abuse to go, I'm not going to work with them. Yeah. Do you know what? I wrote that down, Kathy. And I think just listening to you speak just made me think I, I am very, 
proud that we can be a platform for these stories but I would I mean I'm only speaking for myself here but I can completely relate to what you said I felt very triggered by those stories because I am a young woman in the industry as well um and it shouldn't be on us this should this it should not fall on us to call this out um and what I wrote down was you might not be if you work in a drama school if you work in a position of power if you work for a production company if you have actors looking to you young people looking to you you might not be a perpetrator of abuse yourself but you need to have a long hard look at anything that you are doing that is complicit in this because you might not you you might you might feel like okay well I'm not you know I'm not sexually assaulting people but really can you honestly look at the people that that you work with and think there is there is nothing problematic about their behavior and and if you can good for you but if you can't it is on you as people who are in positions of power to call this out it is not all on us because this is really fucking upsetting for us as well actually to have to do this and we need people who are higher up than us to be looking after us you know Uh, yeah and I think it um I think it's honestly as much as I hate saying this I think we need to assume that it is happening wherever you are and make sure it isn't rather than assume it isn't happening and make sure it doesn't like I I, also it frustrates me that all this Harvey Weinstein stuff happened and rightly so but then there was never a conversation that if it's happening at that level in five-star hotels with A-listers what do you think is happening in the 98 percent like it's it seems like it's part and parcel of being in this industry, especially as a woman. And I just think like we, the conversation doesn't begin and end with Weinstein because it, that's just the tip of the iceberg. I think it's really interesting that we didn't get more men writing into us. And I think that is a topic that is behind the abuse that happens to women, because I'm, I, I know many of my friends, particularly in the, um, the LGBTQ plus industry that it happens significantly um where where men of power target young vulnerable boys and young men yeah and there's a lot of there's a lot of shame attached to abuse and I think what I heard in those stories not I I heard shame and if I'd only done this if I'd been a better feminist if I'd been a kick-ass and I think that it's it's an incredibly complicated thing and um we, we hear that and we understand that. I think it's really important to remember, and I know it's easier said than done, but if you have been a victim of abuse, if anything has happened to you to make you feel uncomfortable, it is not your fault. You, no, you do not deserve, you have a right to be in a place of work, in a place of training and be safe. Absolutely. It is not about your behaviour. It is not about what you did or what you didn't do or how long it's taken you to recognise that what happened to you was abuse. Because I, I can speak from my own experience. There's things that happened to me 10 years ago in this industry that I've only very, very recently looked at and thought that was inappropriate. It is never too late to realise you were not, let. we minimise things in order to survive. We min- minimize things in order to compartmentalize you know Mm. and if if things are coming up for you now you have a right to look at that you have a right to tell your story it's never too late to tell your story it's never too late to ask for help and it's never too late to call people out if you want if you want to see somebody made responsible for the actions that they caused not not because of what you did and they and going on from that I think they know what they they're doing and going on from what I just said before about they they do it because they can because of the power they hold like they are totally aware of that 
because there's a reason it doesn't happen the other way around. There's a reason that an auditionee doesn't go into an audition and make an inappropriate comment to a producer. Like these people know. I remember being 14. You know, I've said in the podcast that I've always wanted to be an actress. I remember being a teenager and having a serious conversation with myself. Okay, if a producer says that he'll give me a lead role if I sleep with him, what am I going to do? Like that was something that I, I like, I just expected something like that will happen along the way. And I'm, I, I just have to think through that and figure out what I'm going to do beforehand. That's not normal, but we're, we're so used to it being normal. And it's not just about, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, Um, excluding anyone from this but just talking about men and women is it's not just men abusing it's also women growing up in a patriarchy like one of the writings said that we're made to feel that we have to be polite we have to be this we have to oh we probably gave off this we probably made them think that so it's just these two awful things the part of this patriarchal society we in that comes together and it's just a hurricane of disaster you know when I was reading out um the person's story about the small regional theater as I was reading it in my head I was like oh if they ever listen to this I probably won't get a job with that with that wow yeah I can totally relate to that Mm. yeah and that's the thing isn't it and even even in even in the positions of power that well we we're in a position of power you know the four of us because we're in platforms but we I still have that shame I still have that fear and I think it's really important to recognize that and I think if you are if you want to be somebody in power who is an an ally to to safety within the working environment you need to understand that this is really complex and people aren't necessarily going to come to you in tears saying something terrible happened to me like people feel ashamed and people feel frightened and you need to be working within those boundaries and understanding that in order to keep people safe and in order to hear people and believe them believe women believe victims believe people because I think when people do go and report the people in these institutions probably feel so much shame that it's going on around them and they didn't know that they deflect that but all I got from these these emails was this is everywhere like it's everywhere and and my experience of being bullied at drama school like I was like oh my god I'm not the only one I know I'm not the only one and that's where we need to be that's where our head needs to be now it's not you trying to prove that you're not as bad it's just we need to just sort this out just from what you said there what I did pick up on was a lot of people went I know this might not seem that Mm. bad in comparison to other people I know that this isn't this isn't that big a deal in the grand scheme of things and we've always said it I know on both of our podcasts that your your experiences are valid whatever they are like we've we've always said you can experience mental health troubles in the dream job and you can experience mental health troubles in your muggle job it doesn't matter where you are that that experience of abuse is is valid and also we obviously didn't have time to do every kind of abuse there is abuse comes in many different shapes or forms and just as you were saying Katie you might not realize that something that happened to you a few years ago has affected you in that way and has been abuse and that can be that can be sexual abuse that can be emotional abuse that can be someone just constantly getting down at you that is that is abuse and I think that it's important that people realize that it's your experience is valid regardless of whether you associate it straight away with Mm. abuse 
Totally. And it's, it's all a, part it's a scale of the bigger as well. problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, a scale. You don't, it doesn't have to have been the worst of the worst it could possibly be. If it was inappropriate to you, if you didn't feel okay in that situation, that is absolutely valid. And put that, all of that discomfort and all of that shame that you feel is not yours. Put it on the person who made you feel like that because they, they deserve to not sit comfortably within yeah. what they've done. And I just want to say, just because it's, it's validating for me to say this, if, if you are a person that is listening to this, thinking about your behavior, then you, you need to know that, that people, people will be at some point, we hope ready to tell their stories and that people like people are fucking like, you you deserve to not sit comfortably within within yourself you you deserve to be really thinking about your behavior and shitting yourself that someone's going to tell a story because they deserve to yeah Scarlett and Kathy can you tell us like obviously um Katie and I are also big um advocates for mental health being honest about your mental health Scarlett and Kathy have somewhere you can go for support if you have listened to this and you feel like you need to speak to someone which all of us very much encourage Scarlett and Kathy may be able to help with that can you tell everyone a bit more about it absolutely if you feel like you need support if you reach out to us at industry minds info at industryminds.co.uk we will put you in touch with our in-house counsellor, Miss Mary Birch. And from there, um, you can access free or low-cost therapy over Zoom, telephone, Skype, FaceTime, however works for you. Um, please do not suffer in silence, especially if you felt triggered by this episode. Um, please do reach out and get, get support mm. that you need. And trust your gut. Like the older I get, and as a vegan, the more I'm like, we are animals. Like we look at ourselves as humans and other animals as animals. No, we are human animals and other animals are non-human animals. We have a gut, like we have an instinct that tells us things. And I think we're conditioned to not really listen to it so much. So Katie, like you were saying, if something's happened to you, even if in air quotes, I'm saying it's small or, you know, not as serious. If your gut's telling you this feels inappropriate, I feel uncomfortable, listen to that because you are absolutely right and, and you your feelings are valid, as Kathy was saying. And mm. the final thing, because I wanted to end on a positive, Katie, earlier you said that it's great that we, I think you meant to say it's great that we have this platform, but you said it's great that the four of us are in platforms. And then I just imagine the four I of wish us we were. in like masses. Of, can someone do some fan art of like the four of us in Spice Girls style, like if platform there, shoes taking any, on the industry? If, <laughs> if there are any platform, um, f- platform facilitators, platform makers that are listening to this, uh, we're very happy to take sponsorship. Um, we are very much inspired by the Spice girls and I, I would be happy to take that photo shoot for you so you're welcome that is i can actually do the artwork i've got my ipad my ipad oh my god yes get it done mate get it done this episode and, and we are crushing and stamping on the patriarchy and the I'll, parts I'll of this industry it. that have no we room are, in 2021 we're fucking coming for you in our platforms yeah <laughs> in our platforms <laughs> with our platforms on our platform <laughs> for the platform on the platform yeah. Absolutely. Taking it down. So thank you everyone for listening. Um, If you do feel compelled that you want to share your story, um, you know, uh, we may not do this again, but if you still want someone to hear it, read it, uh, I'm here manning the 98% uh, Gmail, uh, the 98% at gmail.com. That's the number 98 and the word percent. And Scarlett and Kathy, they said their email. So do 
please feel free to get in touch. Tweet us, uh, the 98% pod and Industry Minds UK. Um, and just keep on being your bad selves. We're gonna we're gonna see change. I feel it. We are. It's coming and it's wearing platforms, bitches. <laughs> Can you give everyone our, our, um, our home addresses in case you want to send us a pair of uh, designer platform heels? Yeah, I'll stick it on the Twitter. <laughs> yeah. I thought you yeah. said give them so that everyone can come and like pick at us for, you know, all the old old men who are scared, shaken in their own platforms now. They're going to come hunting us down. I'd come like over. to see them try. Come I'm a yellow fuck, belt in Krav Maga. I will fuck you up. <laughs> Ladies of Industry Minds, you're, you you know we, we love you with our whole 98% hearts and, and thank you for being just the brilliant people that you are in this industry. We love you. Likewise, love likewise. You love you both. We love well, you all so much. Look after yeah. yourselves. It's a fucking jungle out there, but we got you. And thanks everyone. And thank you for writing in. We love you all. We respect you. You're great. 